Come and go. We got the show. It's round 24. James Brown used to find his band five bucks every every mistake they made. He'd go bam. Five bucks. Bam. And this is like wow. 50s, 60s, and 70s. So five bucks meant a bit more back then. Pretty pretty good. No wonder he was feeling good all the time. That's right. His his pockets are full of change. <laughs> I feel good. Five bucks. He was renowned for having the Titus band in uh in in Seoul because of that. Well, there we go. Because he ruled with an iron fist. That's right. Hello and welcome to AF Eloquence, the show where we are eloquent AF about all things football. My name is Bart Welch. And my name is Emil Freund and it is Wednesday the 28th of August. The time is about 2.02pm and uh, you're joining us. It's round, well, it's the bye round between finals, the pre-finals bye. Are you happy for the bye, Bart? Are you got a few aches and a few niggles, a few pains that you're looking to ice bath and, and relax? Yeah, I've definitely got a few things I want to uh, want to kink out before um, before finals come. That's for sure. Me and the Mighty Saints, we're Ooh. gonna have a big September. I'll tell you that. <laughs> what in Bali? Round one. Yeah. Round one, Bali. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> round two, Europe. Oh. Elimination final in Prague. Oh man, yeah, you gotta live up for that. You gotta be, you gotta have a do. You gotta have a pro- proper preseason. Really, the the season is just the preseason oh, for the uh, for the for the postseason trip. Yeah, that's right. I've mm. been I've been um, working for the postseason trip, or for pretty much my whole life, to be honest. <laughs> I've been working my way up to it, and yeah. I've really lent in and upped my training loads in the last uh, few weeks. Heaps of electrolytes, uh, yeah, yeah. Um, lot of lot of alcohol, no doubt. Lot of booze, <laughs> really punishing the body, but for the greater good. For the greater good, um, for those mighty saints. Um, was it you or right. Jackson who was our friend Jackson who was telling me about a time when? You got a phone call from the Saints about asking for a contribution to help the. This is Jackson, I'm sure. Asking for a contribution to help the players get overseas for their postseason trip or, or something along those lines. Do you have any recollection of this? I have some recollection. I know that Jackson used to work at some call center place where he did work for, like. North Melbourne, the Bulldogs and St Kilda were three clubs that they were trying to like sell random membership to. And maybe it was, I'm crossing my wires with that memory and with another memory of St Kilda calling up because they have done that in the past, asking for, you know, to buy raffle tickets or whatnot. I don't know if it was for, for a pre-season, no, uh, post-season I a, trip. I have a very <laughs> strong memory of Jackson telling me a story of, of the club asking for a contribution to help the boys get to Bali in the off-season. You know that is wild. I <clears throat> I hope they don't do that anymore. I hope this is a story from times gone by because they don't need any more money for their trip to Bali. Oh, no, no. One can, Indonesian conversion rate, very good conversion rate. Also, you're on. What do you want? If you, even if you're a first year player, you're already on. You know, eighty k a year or something yeah, plus game. Nineties minimum for a first year player. I think first year contract. You can, is, yeah. 90, yeah. You can go to Bali. I think you you can. don't need any money 
to from any of the members who already pay. <laughs> yeah, the, la- the the average AFL wage is somewhere between two hundred fifty and three hundred something thousand dollars. So, I think that's proper barley money. That's a that's big barley money, man. That's like buy businesses and buy some property in barley money. Yeah, um, let alone let's buy property in Australia money. Um, and avocado. I don't you know. Have, you can have your house and eat the avo too. That's right. As, as the old adage goes. Mm. Um, yeah, that's pretty ludicrous. Um, and I hope. I think it also would sting a little bit more when they're asking for cash when you. Uh, haven't made finals or haven't done particularly well. That's, well you know, I'd, I'd be more inclined to give some money to the players if they, let's say, brought a premiership home. Um, sure. Whereas well, if you're just perennially finishing ninth or in that bottom lot, maybe not. Yeah, th- from my memory, this was one of those seasons. It was a, it was a bad year for the Stainers and then clearly Jeez, a bad a year financially as well. That's a... It's a, it's a tough one to... Um, which year was I should that? be able to remember which year it was just from you saying that bad year that we had. I should just go right into my mind what year it was. But for the, the moment, I'm shrouded. My memories are... I'm conflicted because there's so many bad years, Emil. I couldn't tell you which one it was. <laughs> no, 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 no. Would you like to talk about this week just being Bart? We both... I would like to do that, Emil. Yeah, okay. We both... Yeah. Uh, we, we both... Uh, as clubs who had some uh, some promising parts of the season, finished in a pretty uninspiring way. Yeah, not the best way to finish, was it? And both of us kind of, I don't know. Well, I know I kind of sensed that I tipped against both of our clubs and I was probably more surprised with, actually, I don't know whose output I was more surprised with, Carlton's or the Saints, because we both kind of, both kind of just let the let the season run away from us there, and just kind of finish up on um, yeah, not the strongest form. We were pretty disappointing, man. I went to the game. I went to the SCG. Cracking day. It yeah. was like t- t- unbelievable. It was like 24, 25 degrees, maybe. So it was, it was hot footy. Let's to say the least. Um, um, yeah, and you know we were in it there, and. It, but it was clearly a day about Sydney and their retiring champs and McVeigh and Kieran Jack and Buddy. And that was what everyone was there to see. And there was, we were um, easily accounted for in fans, in the crowd, of course. Far more Swans fans there. And I don't know, I felt like the Saints were kind of just playing into the, the day for them, really. By the end, we kind of just folded in the last quarter when the game was on the line. But then again, I feel you. Must be hard when you're thinking about that postseason trip and you kind of can't be fucked and you, you're you're done. Man, when, when you why think of, why go? Yeah, why go back with that flight and break your neck before you trip to Bali? Yeah, huh? you, you won't have a good time in the nightclubs of Cooter if you've got a broken neck. You can't exactly. Man, you can't uh, you can't roll up to all the strip clubs in Vegas if you've got a sore neck. That's you're craning around. No, oh, you can't, you can't see it all. Oh no, you know that's right. You can't walk down the strip in Vegas in a moon boot. No. Well, you probably can, but you don't want to. No, you don't want to. So so I I can understand not trying and letting the game get away from you. And just, you know, let Buddy and Kieran Jack and and McVeigh have their, you know, have their day, mm. have their house and eat their avo too. Yeah, well, not without that cola they won't. Um, although I think those three in particular will yeah. be fine. Um They've been yeah, all right, right the last few games of the season, Sydney. I don't know what they were doing this year. I guess it was just they have, yeah, mm. In- injuries, old rebuild. Team. Yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah. I suppose so. 
Um, do you reckon they're going to get Joe Danaher? There's still a lot of talk about that. I don't think so. Okay. Um, I'm not sure. I don't think so. Okay. That's what I'd say. But I don't. I don't really know. I haven't followed that one too heavily. The rumor mill on that one. Um. Uh, well, I guess we can maybe hold that trade chat for a minute because I want to ask you first while we're on our clubs. Um. Yeah. How did How did your weekend go with the Blues? Did you watch that game? Did you uh, go down to Geelong? I was no. I didn't go down to Geelong. I was watching. Uh, I was watching my pub footy team. Shout out to the Lomond. Lomond Cooters. Um, no Cooters. Yeah, up the mighty Cooters. Um, yeah, I was watching the Cooters play. Uh, who won in a in a in a tight three quarters, but then they blew them out of the water in the fourth quarter, which was very satisfying. Um, and then yeah, watched the game and the replay. Uh, you know, it was um, mucho disappointo, but um, mm. they're Geelong, a good side, man. And they are a good side. They're a good side down which there, is no. That's right. It's no, no, nothing no new, surprise. is it? Like, no. It's nothing new. No. And they, uh, we, we had, we, we, were, we were literally against the wind for three quarters. So we, there was a northerly to start the game and then at, pretty much at quarter time, did a complete 180 in the opposite what? direction and they got the wind for the second big... quarter. We, the third sure, is they the don't, only... They don't have some... Sorry, mate. Uh, I just wanted to check. They don't have some big fans going on there or some... They got a bit of wind turbines. Well, they, they do have. They fan, turn those they things have, off. They've got lots of fans down in Geelong, but I wouldn't put it past them. Um, mm. the, even the elements are with them down at Cardinia Park. Yeah, they had the wind for three quarters. So the third we looked okay. Um, in fact, I think we won the third quarter when we, we had, had the wind. The wind. Um, and there was a look. You don't want to go down to any individual decisions or anything like that. But there was a really shocking call right before three quarter time where Cunningham kicked a goal. Um, the, um, the the goal umpire had called it a goal, and then Shane McInerney, who's retiring and is his his uh, he's you know I think the records holder for games. Yeah, co- he's yeah he's, umpired. Um, like 400, 400 and something, or he's five five hundred. He's coach. yeah. Oh, sorry, he's umpired. Clearly retiring at the right time because he made a call that it had been touched, and although it was reviewed, there wasn't sufficient evidence, even though it was clear that he had no one had touched it. Anyway, look. Ultimately, we got... So he overrides because he's the field umpire? Is that yeah, what happened then? Yeah. So he called touch. He'd called touch and then they called a review and there wasn't enough. There wasn't sufficient evidence to overturn his call of it being touched, even though it hadn't been touched. Um, so look, it's it's a small Jeez, thing, man. but you go into you go into three-quarter time, 30 points down as opposed to 43 points down. That's a bit of a difference psychologically. You go, well, last quarter of the season... Daisy's last game. Let's get up for it. Let's put it. Let's leave it all out in the field, boys. And um, you know, so yeah. be it. If you have to be in Cooter in a in a moon boot, um, or walking the strip of Vegas, <laughs> or rolling down the strip of Vegas in a wheelchair after postseason surgery, so be it, boys. We can get the job done down in Geelong. I mean, we can score. You can score. I mean, five goals against him. It's possible. Seven. Don't think so. Yeah. And the Blues have done it all year, though. Yeah. You guys. Oh, not all year. The, the, the Teague experience. Right. You've come back from thirty points multiple times. Yeah. That's a big difference, man. And might I say on the uh, on the umpire side of things, I reckon this year has been one of the craziest years for for umpiring. And it's a boring topic. It's like complaining about the traffic. So we won't touch on it too long. When someone tells you about how shit their run into work was, it's like didn't no. ask, don't care. Yeah. Um, but it's a bit of that. But all year there's been some ludicrous calls or some massive non calls. And what what's things you more merely? Does a does a bad call hurt you more, or does a non-call hurt you more? Uh, a non-call stings pretty hard. When um, when yeah yeah you're right. When when you've seen it 
called many, many times before. And when it's a crucial yes. moment and it, something happens that you, especially holding the ball, you're like, that's come on. Yes. Come on. I like, think that one. Yes. Yes. I think that one stings me more because right. boy, oh boy, you see those. And particularly when you're playing away from the ground where, you know, let's say this game in the weekend, um, let's umpires did nothing to do with our game, the S- Sydney uh, Saints game. But there were plenty of times where, you know, if there's not many Saints fans there to call out holding the ball when there was one moment earlier and we were pinned for because there's 30,000 Swan supporters there, that's when it, that's, it's definitely frustrating when you get those non-calls when moments earlier it was called for a similar thing. I just think of that game, the Anzac, Anzac Day clash against, uh, where, where it was Collingwood and, and Essendon when it was the weirdest few minutes of football where they, they literally had done the old put the whistle away. Mm. Do you remember how many holding the balls there were? And there was there was a couple where all the players stopped. Yeah. And no whistle was blown. And everyone was like, oh, we're still, Whoa, okay. okay. It, whoever had right. been caught, yeah, they accepted they'd been caught. And uh, it's, yeah, that, fr- frustrating, frustrating. But um, look, it, oh well. it, I think they added, they, they went to three umpires in 96, I think. Maybe it was earlier. But they went to three umpires because they thought it was going to be better. You know, more more lines of sight. You get more people, you know, you get more opportunities to, to notice when there are indiscretions or breaks of the rules. But I think what it does is that it means that you've got three people who have got slightly different interpretations of all of these things. And so consistency becomes extremely difficult because... You know, you might you might be in the middle as a central umpire, being quite consistent in the central corridor, but then a decision happens in the f- fifty of you know the Saints or whoever, and there's a different umpire officiating. Okay, they see it the same way, and also they may not have seen the call in the same detail. And when the central umpire made uh, that call, it's like, well, how can you possibly it's be consistent? An, it's, act, it's actually an impossibility yeah. because we are we are all human as well, and you know. W- you see something 40 metres off the ball that looks like a hit. You see an arm get thrown like this. It might have missed if you had a different angle. It's actually six inches off their face. But you see it like that, and then trick of the eye, it looks like you cop them. High, boom, whistle go. It's impossible to call that. And it's it's actually one of the worst games, isn't it, in the world of sport, I'd say, to be able to adjudicate correctly and consistently. And it's impossible. There's so much interpretation. Did they have prior? Okay. Did they make a genuine attempt? Did they put it out of bounds on the foot? Like, did they put it out of bounds deliberately? Like, all of these things are subjective things. You can't possibly measure them and you can't be consistent about it because it's about reading the intent, which I don't mind because it it, it gives it that – it gives this. It gives it that live feel. Like you get the moment. You're not sure which way it's going to go. Um, mm. And what, but what shits me is, is the commentators. I think the commentators are not often a friend to this at all because they get the benefit of it of multiple angles in slow motion after the fact, not in the moment at all. And I don't think often enough they recognise that fact. They go, "Oh, how did they so possibly hard. call that? How do they miss that? Oh. My God, this oh. is decision." Well. Oh, they're running absolutely twenty kilometers yeah. a game, <laughs> half marathon. Right? They're, they're they're little judges as well. They're running around. They might as well have gavels because that's what they are. They're like three judges on the field, and they're having to run half marathons and adjudicate and make these decisions. These commentators is, only have to focus for thirty seconds at a time when they're actually talking. Then they get to switch off and pick a little prawn cocktail from behind themselves. These umpires have to be on for the whole fucking game, watching in detail, yeah. and then like commanding these big men to do what they want and to give the ball back and to tell them that like when they're screaming like my not to mention the 50,000 fans who are yelling for their blood it's yeah 
Let's just say it's not an enviable job and no. they should definitely be paid more. They really should be paid more. We should um, have professional umpires uh, is, what is, I think, the point where um, we're trying to make. That's what we're getting to. Yeah. That's what we're laboring. If there's this much angst around it and then all the goal um, line crap, all the goal reviewing and the bunker they're talking about, if there's this much unrest, then we just need to put invest more money into it and have a better infrastructure and a professional system for the umpires. And the ar- um, arguments that I've heard about it is that, oh, we don't know that it'll make it better. It's like, well, maybe, but we, we know that it definitely won't make it worse. Yeah, that's right. And we won't know unless we try. And I would like, I'd put a solid bet that it would make it better. Yeah. <laughs> Most things. I think You could so. argue that about what? The finance sector. Like, ah, oh, we're not going to invest too much money into having professionals here. We don't know if that'll make it any better. Right. Like, let's, I think most industries in the world, if you have professionals in there and put more money into it, generally speaking, is an improvement. Someone can spend most of their time worrying about this rather than some of their time and then being a teacher on the side. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're worrying about your rent and the the mortgage and the, the tax man knocking on your door. Yeah. In the meantime, you got to make this huge call. Uh, learn all these rules. The learn all the players' yeah, names. Rules. Running, like doing your training three times a week, as well as cooking dinner, looking after the cat, uh, mowing the lawns, doing not, the garden. Not pulling, not pulling a hamstring when you're doing the bounce, the center bounce. Right. Tough. Tough gig. I, I was talking to um, one of my housemates who I live with here. He's um, he's a chemist, but he's also he's studying law now. He's one of those. He's a regular Doogie Howser. He's smart as hell. He's only like twenty five, twenty six, and he's just been a precocious son of a bitch. He's, anyway, he's a student of the world, merely. And he's um, but he's studying law right now. And he was I, he knows I'm pretty keen on the AFL, and he's very foreign to most sports, but particularly AFL because he's a Sydney sider. And so I explained it to him. He watched through a whole Saints. He actually watched the Saints Geelong game, and we actually, when we were leading at halftime for like the first time since the nineties in Cadinia Park or whatever it was. Again, have you heard? It's a tough game down there against Geelong in Cadinia Park. I'll, uh, Carlton have played there I'll tell you that. twice since nineteen ninety seven. Oh my god! Really? Mm-hmm. That's insane. Yep. We, what a fixed. What a fixture. So um, we're so learning weird. that it's a difficult place to play, but we haven't played there for a while. Yes. I don't reckon we'll play there. Yeah, I don't well, reckon we'll play there again because we're we're now averaging third highest crowds in the AFL. Anyway, this is a, this is an aside. Go back to your story, please. Well, beware the sleeping blues. I'll say that because they're awake. They they have awoken. I would say. Um, my story is about Joel. That's right. Watching anyway. Um, it just was really funny. It, it put the magnifier on when I was talking just so colloquially and so naturally about all these rules and all this stuff. I was like, no, 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 you can't go there because you took the mark and he had no prior opportunity because of this. And that, you know, just speaking like this, it it became so apparent about all of these legal terms, how legal it is, yeah. all the all the um the rulings um. You know, it's just and and Joe was fascinated by that, by by just the just the terminology and and what the fouls are called and um um and how it's yeah how it's adjudicated. It just it was just very funny hearing hearing a person who's studying law come at the game and hear the rulings and and how it's decided. Well, it's fun. My thinking is that there aren't many people who actually read the laws of the game at all. There aren't many people who do that. No. The umpires are one. Obviously, there are people within the clubs who do it as well. But I would be very surprised if any of the players sit down and read the rules of the game. I'd be very surprised if many of the commentators ever, ever sat down and read the rules of the game. You know, um, I was. Do you think that would be a prerequisite for doing either or? For being a player or a commentator, you should know the rules. It fucking (laughs) fucking should because it would teach you that so much of what happens with our game is just 
because that's the way it's evolved, not because it's a ruling that it has to be that way. For instance, the rule where the umpires throw it in from the boundary line, the the, the method by which they do that is not officiated in the rules. It's not, it's not set down. So although we're used to them crouching down low with the ball between their legs and then flinging it over their heads in that manner, there's nothing in the rules that says they have to do it that way. It's just the official <sighs> way that they've just been doing it and the habit they've got into. And it That's goes, amazing. and it goes with all, with a lot of the rules. The, 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 so much of the technique of these, of the execution of the game, is more about how it's worked out and habit and the way that players have been taught and people have been taught to play it, rather than anything that is inherent about the game of AFL. Sorry, the game of Aussie rules. That's fascinating, and which also makes me think that I'm going to try my luck at becoming a boundary umpire. And then when I finally get my big shot on the main stage, I'm going to ditch the traditional big bend down, toss over the head, and I'm just going to grab it and just throw it straight at Max Gorn's face. Nothing wrong with that. It's in the rules. I guess it has to be. It probably has to be over play a certain on. distance, but why not? Smack in the face, play on. Yeah. <laughs> big Falcon, let's go. Does he get a hit out to advantage um, in that instance? I reckon. If it lands in face, Clayton, or yeah, Clayton Oliver's lap. Fa- <laughs> Off the face, straight to Clayton Oliver. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd, I'd call it hit out to advantage. Okay. Knock out to advantage. Unless it may, if it knocks him out, it would be a knockout <laughs> to advantage. Perfect. <laughs> there we go. Uh, um, did, you, did you catch anyway, any other games so, um, over the weekend, Barty Boy? I did. So I went and watched. Um, I was in Newtown and I watched some football with some... some again, you got to find the AFL people up here in this town. But they're around. Um, and I, I watched the game. I watched the Dogs Adelaide game because I think that was a game of much interest um, with a dogs friend, and that was great because we everyone who listens to this podcast knows how much you and I dislike the Crows, particularly you, Mealy. Mm. I've come on your bandwagon this year, uh, so that was really cool to see the dogs get over them, and they're looking pretty sharp, aren't they? Those dogs, they're looking good. I wouldn't want to. Um, I wouldn't want to be playing them through finals. That's for sure. Far out. It's a tough matchup. Very unfortunate. Yeah. Very tough for the Giants to be playing them. Um, I feel for the Giants. I do feel for the Giants. I, It's a com- conflict with me with this one because I'm not sure who I really want to win. Well, I'm liking this Bulldogs rise, but um, I, I feel for the Giants. I think they're a dang good team. They, I might try and go to this Yeah, this I was going to say, well. uh, you should try and mm. go. I, reckon, I mean, given that the last final they played in was one of the... Finals for the ages. Uh, it's worth probably it was, worth trying yeah. to get a ticket to this one. There's a bit of history between them, isn't there? There is. Um, and mm. look, the Giants. Uh, well, not only with that final in the the the, the fateful year of 2016, but also, of course, um, the whole Callan Ward situation and Tom Boyd swap. That's uh, added some intrigue to this one. Um, and course. between the clubs, having having the captain of the Bulldogs walk out of them to the rival club at, up at the Giants. Um, yeah. yeah, they've got a lot. They really do. And then, of course, that classic game, uh, which came down to the last, right down to the... Yeah, one kick the difference. Jake Stringer. Six Jake, six yeah, points. I think Jake Stringer came in, hit up Tory Dixon inside 50 when he could have maybe blazed away and mm. just calmly passed to Tory Dixon and they just iced it from there. Stringer's um, always been a picture of calmness and composure, but you know that. Uh, that's what I... Th- when I think of Jake Stringer... I think of calm and composed yeah. tree, and tree a disgusting in the woods. lion. Tree falling in the woods. Tree falling in the woods. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't make a sound. Does Jake Stringer make a sound? Yeah. Um, yeah. The disgusting so, well, lion tattoo on his chest. <laughs> yes. that's Yeah. Gross stomach tattoo. That's what I actually think about. Um, uh, yeah. So I watched that game, Mealy, and I know we're jumping to that, that finals round one, but 
hopefully I, I maybe can go. I know the ambassador himself is in WA. I don't know if he's if, if uh, the ambassador Alex Williams. He's going to be able to see his Giants at home. So I would have loved to have gone with him. Of course. But maybe not. Maybe I just might have to go and fly the Giant flag. Um, who knows? I wonder if amb- the ambassadorships I are I transferable know. if they're not in town. You know, like with memberships, you're like, oh, I use my membership. Get into the game. I wonder if you do the same with ambassadorships. Well, I'm an actor. Yeah. You know, I'm an actor. He's an actor. Just- maybe I can just borrow. I'll just get some of Alex's stuff, pop on the glasses. Yeah, pose as him. And, and then and pose as him. I can, I can see it. <laughs> pose as my friend. Hello, Walk in, go into the uh, the corporate box, sit there with the CEO, wouldn't, wouldn't notice a thing, Steve Wall. hang out with Kamal, Steve Wall, be there, the whole gang. The gang's all there. Um, like, oh, you're the one who now, made the tsunami joke. Oh, you're, you're, the, you're the guy's oh, friend. That's, yeah, that's right. Under the red sun. Right. Yeah, like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I haven't, haven't stopped thinking about that joke no. since I made it. <laughs> Neither has Kamal. Um, um, no. <laughs> um, so... Um, did you watch what football did you watch because I, oh, I also watched the um, game of the round the Tigers in Brisbane after the Bulldogs game mm. I kind of there was two screens watched them both or you know watched the end of the Dogs and then continued on to the Lions and Tigers I watched, what about I, watched yourself, I just Neil? watched Snatchers through this weekend I didn't watch any games from uh, go to woe watched little bits and pieces and some highlights and whatnot. Um but no, you're getting around the community footy, mate. You're getting around the cooters. That's that's exactly it. That's exactly right. And and you know, it's a boon day for Ballarat on Sunday, but I had to bust lattes in my cafe for all the travelling fans. Of course, yeah, mate. You know, those, you're to show them that Ballarat coffee. That's right. I mean, I mean, you know, it's not uh, most of the Western Bulldogs fans were asking for multiple sugars, but that's okay. Uh, let's not judge them for that. Yeah, they're a sweet lot. They're a sweet lot. Um, now, what the games that caught my eye though. Essendon, they had a pretty good crack, but they're very injured. Collingwood losing Darcy Moore. What was the point of that risk? Dumb, Ooh, dumb, dumb. Are they trying to get I, I mean know, finals I form or what? But Jesus. Very dumb. Very dumb. And people said that. People flagged it. They were like, why are you doing this? Why they don't need to do that. No. They didn't need to do that. I, well, I heard something yesterday or the day before reading about it all, and apparently Apparently he took himself off, and it was more the the term that they like to throw around these days is the old hamstring awareness. awareness. Mm. So apparently he felt some awareness, <laughs> which is a real s- s- stretch. You can you can feel some awareness in the back of your head when you get king hit. You know, like I've had some brain awareness. Like it's it's a um it's, it's a big spectrum, I reckon, for that awareness. Right? Who knows? how aware you are of that hamstring that's torn off the bone Ooh. or <laughs> um yeah it seems like a dumb dumb move but they got the they got the win and they reckon he might be fine in a fortnight's time but the beauty gee, of the buy i don't think that's the game yeah very much so um well let's you'd, you'd like to think they probably wouldn't have done it if they didn't have the buy this week i suppose so what was what was on the offer i guess um that top four spot was up for grabs so look yeah, they needed to win. They could have. Um, they, they, they could have lost to their win. top four spot. I just feel well, like how, com- how about this? that important player coming back from that kind of injury when he's had a history of hammies? Why don't you just give him half a game in the Magoos? I don't know. Or I, I don't know, man. I don't know. Maybe that maybe they just thought he was absolutely fine to go. Maybe they were already being conservative, and last week he might have made it being might have been able to play, and and they just thought, well, this week we've got to get that win. But came at a cost. Um, and they have been injured all bloody year. So are the Dons. The Dons have been hit with it hard. And are the Dons a bit of a um? Are they a bit of a smoky now? No. What do you think? No, not at all. 
You just think they're just going to lose to West Coast over there in the elimination final? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. I think they'll be, yeah. they'll be trounced, unfortunately. It'll be tough. It'll be really hard for them, man. And that'll sting as a Dons fan if that's how it goes because injuries have been a thing, but kind of everyone's had them this year as well. As much as the umpiring's been wild this year with new rules and whatnot, so have the injuries. They've been... No one's been... Um, uh, oh, actually, no, maybe a couple of clubs. Brisbane, Brisbane, I saw Br- yeah. Brisbane Lions have got about one player who's injured. And there's a few clubs that have escaped without being too badly hit, but most clubs have had their fair share of injuries. So yep. you can't really use that as too much of an excuse. But uh, it's that's a tough game. That's a real rough game for the Dons to, you know, for West Coast to slip out of the top four and now you have to go over there and play them at Optus, the reigning premiers, when they've come off a bad beat to Hawthorne. So I guess they're beatable. They're beatable over there, but... They oh. are, but to a team that can execute the way Hawthorne can, and although Essendon are higher on the higher than them on the ladder, I haven't seen them play in different ways. Essendon, they kind of have the way that they win, which is from the back half scoring off the off the counter, but I haven't seen them win in another way. Whereas the Hawthorne, the Hawthorne victory over over the West Coast was uh, was not that style, and I'm not sure if Essendon, Essendon can execute in the same way. They, they kept the ball away from West Coast and they controlled the, the flow of the game. And Essendon haven't traditionally, well, this year, been good at that. No, and Hawthorne have, have been notorious, notoriously good at that style um, and can shift styles as per their uh, opposition with their mastermind, Clarko, at the helm. It's going to be a big ask for the Dons, isn't it? I have a theory. Very big ask. I have a theory about, um, about Mitchell. Uh from Hawthorne, not the Sam not, Mitchell. Yeah, Sam Mitchell. I have a feeling. I have, a, I have mm-hmm. a theory about this. I reckon that Clarko saw West Coast emerging, and if you look at their list, they're going to keep challenging for a couple of years. You know, based on the talent that is there, and 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 the and and on every line, really, the West Coast they've got talent everywhere in the ground, and young and young talent. That's right, and young talent. Because so, you think about that list, and you think, oh, maybe Kennedy's going, but then there's like Oscar Allen's coming through, and there's, yeah. there's, they've got Darling a, on emerges every line, to be right. an A grade, A grade forward. He's all Australian squad, you know. Yeah. Um. So I think that Clarko might have seen this and gone, oh shit, okay. So this this is a team that's going to be we're going to need to beat this team for the next three or four years, and sent. Mitchell in as a bit of a double agent. Bit of a spy, mate. Yeah. Bit, reckon, of, a, bit of espionage he, going he's on. he's there for IP, mate. Work the players out. Setting the setting the hawk amongst the eagles. Indeed. That's right. In disguise. Yeah. It's like a, Very cuckoo, like, a, like a cuckoo bird who throws out the egg of another bird from its own nest, lays its egg in its nest, and then it, get, it gets raised by the... You know, poor unsuspecting mother of the dead bird, and then the cuckoo comes out of its nest and eats the other bird. Old it's cuckoo Clarkson, man, cuckoo it's a classic. Clarkson. It's another, it's another brilliant ploy, yeah. and his coaching bow. Well, mate, let's just say I wouldn't put it past him. Sam Mitchell was always going to come back to Hawthorne. I think he was. Yeah, he's going to come back to the nest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I like the theory. You That's heard it here first as well, by the way. Yeah. Eh, eloquence. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> Espionage yeah. going on in the the AFL. I don't uh, think the Suns uh, tune up that the Giants like against. I don't think the Giants would have liked that. As I mean, a big win and Cameron got the uh, the Coleman. Well done him. But it's good, not the kind yeah, of game you to want to have going in, into a, a, a must win final against the Bulldogs, who have beaten you at home in a final in the past. No, you're right. You'd rather a bit of a, a you'd rather a game that you'd win. 
where they still fight you a little bit. You know what? You'd probably want to play the Saints. You play, yeah. play the Saints. Yeah. We'll give you a real nice tune-up. You, you'll be in great form after you play the Saints because we'll fight for three quarters, three out of four, and you'll put your foot down, you'll win by a good 30 points. But we'll show some fight. And then you'd be feeling primed to take another plucky side in the Bulldogs. We'll also have a bit of a similar, you know, when we play our fast football, there's a Bulldogs-esque style to it. Fast but football, but good, we're not good as good as them. Tested. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Mind you, we did beat them about five or six weeks ago, but no, I'm not saying we're a better side because we're not. Um, but, you know, we'd be a good side the Giants could have played to get them warmed up for their first round in the finals. But Well, there are 16, well, I guess, there are 16 teams that would have been better to play than the Gold Coast Suns that weekend for the Giants, I would have thought. Yeah, there is uh, a lot. Um, who's that? Oh, yeah, of course. Um, yeah, not the best, but who knows? It's going to be a cracking game. It's going to be really interesting. And then we've got... So we've got a rematch. Um, so that what, do you, what did you take? What's your take from the Lions and, and Richmond? I know you didn't watch all of it, but what's yeah. your thoughts on... <clears throat> the big cat fight. Um, I think mm. that... Oh, I think that it's about right um, at, the, at the G, I think. Yeah. Mm. And, and the Bulldogs... I mean, sorry, the, the Lions, um, they've, got, they've now had a big game, a big, big finals-like game with a big crowd at the G in front of... They um, needed it. Who are the premiership favourites? Um, if they want to, yep, rightfully mat- so. If they want to win the flag, they're going to have to beat someone like Richmond on the G in a big game. So they know what that will take. Now they weren't there this time around, but um, if they want to be there or thereabouts in the, on the last Saturday of September, they're going to have to make some changes. So it could be the loss they needed to have. And I think this week, I'm sorry, next week is going to be a very different story. If Richmond win, it's only going to be by a bee's dick. And I think that. The Lions are a, a really good chance to take that one. I completely agree. Up there, after after that big finals experience, I reckon it is exactly those things. It's the loss they needed to have, and I would be most likely I'll be tipping uh, Brisbane to get up in that game next week. I reckon yeah. it'd be, it's a real chance for them. It's going to be huge up yeah, in Brisbane. The game is going to be packed. Biggest game that's been played at the Gabba for a long time. In 10 years. Yeah, yeah in like over 10 years. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was a cracker. It was a good game, but oh, it wasn't as good as it could have been. Um, it wasn't as good as the games a couple of weeks earlier, the West Coast, Richmond, that kind of weekend. Um, no. Call, uh, Brisbane, Brisbane, Geelong, those two games yeah. were real class. But, yeah, interesting. It's going to be a real one in a couple of weeks' time. Um, and now the other game that – um, oh, what's the uh, – <laughs> The Who Cares Cup, um, Port versus Frio. Is that the game Absolute you were Absolute Who Cares oh. Cup. The, um, the, was. the and, game and that proved the new classic, coach bounce doesn't work every time. Doesn't always work. But it was go- it was either going to be St Kilda, the Frio of the East, or Frio, the St Kilda of the West. It was either going to be one of our fucking clubs that didn't adhere to the uh, to the norm and get the win. I was nervous it was going to be us when we beat the, uh, the Bulldogs. But uh, it's old... Uh, Former West <laughs> Lyon, former head coach. Yeah, it's Western St Kilda's mm-hmm. uh, time to lose. So Freo, yeah, who who cares? What a disappointing time for Port. I didn't realise. Oh, for Port or for Freo or both? For both. Yeah, I think it's nearly sadder for Port to. Yeah, oh great, well done, big oh, fifty big point win. win. Who fucking cares? Who cares? Mm-hmm. You're out of finals. Yeah. Ah, oh, you lose annoying. a few players. It seems like in the off season. Um, who yep. know? I wonder if the maybe coaches stick around. I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Maybe there's a few more to come with America round. Um, but I only realised that when I flicked on this game for a bit that David Hale was coaching uh, Fremantle. 
That's right. <laughs> you know what? I don't know. They they barely said peep about David Hale. Did they not? Or is coach. it because we've got that East Coast bias, but I was trying to well, I had to the fact that I had to look around and be like, Oh, David Hale's the coach. Um is saying something because how much? Yes, we definitely are in that East Coast bubble, but I'm up here in in uh, Sydney. It's not as I'm a bit out of that bubble. You're in the northeast uh, coast, uh, smaller bubble. That's right, and you're in a western, um, you know, uh, regional <laughs> bubble yourself. That's right, <laughs> Ballarat. <laughs> you're in a Ballarat bubble, um, but you know, we heard all about David Teague and all about Reece Shaw and his antics and all about Brett Ratton and what's going on. And then we didn't hear shit about David Hale. I guess there's no, it's pretty indicative that there is no fucking chance that David Hale is going to become the head coach of Fremantle. Well, I think a one match audition is uh, all the evidence you need there. If they really thought that they had the next coach of Fremantle as an assistant already, they would have ditched Ross Lyon earlier and and installed them, I would have thought. For the same reasons that St Kilda did with uh, Ratton. Yeah, that's right. And we called that a good 12 months ago. And hopefully the um, it's coming to fruition. So who's... Do you reckon that takes... Um, I was just going to quickly jump on, the, on that thought with, with Ratton because he's the... Uh, well, I was going to say he's the only interim coach, but there's the other one now. There's <laughs> David Hale. True. But is, does, does the last kind of little bit of a fade off with, you know, Sydney and we lost to the Blues, do those really sting Brett Ratton's chances, do you think, of becoming a full-time coach? Not at all because those... Wins would have been, uh, given the way that Saints' season was panning out, those wins would have been bonuses anyway. It, 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 towards the latter half of the season, St Kilda, it didn't. Beca- it wasn't about wins and losses for St Kilda. Um, it became an important factor, but the culture of it and whether or not uh, Richo was still the right person to lead them forward into the future was the real question. So it's always about next year. It was always about next year and the year after for, for the Saints. So the tail off from those particular games, I don't think it will make any difference whatsoever, or it shouldn't at least, because the, whoever's coaching them now should still have a forward focus and uh, an intention to bring joy and fun and energy to a group who had seemingly lost those things. Yeah, he brings that in spades, and we we had lost that. We we felt very vanilla. We were down on confidence. We've been like that for a couple of years, and Brett Ratton brings a really nice energy there. And I like his philosophy, even or the way he handles himself in his presses and when he's talking about the coaching position. He just handles it very. He's, he's a bit of a class act, really. He handles it really well. He's still very likable and quite open. Understated, but, I like um, those but too. he's. Very much so, very much understated, but he's passionate and he he cares about the players and the team, regardless if it's him who's the one to lead them next year. He still wants to be there in some capacity. It's all it's checking all the boxes for me, um, and let's just hope it is internally for them because uh, hopefully they announce it soon. I'd hate to see a Brad Scott or a, a Ross Lyon there. Yeah. A one-two I, punch. I reckon Ross Lyon should get the job at GWS. Yeah, right. Tell me about that. Well, I think he's got a history of taking uh, sides that were close um, to the brink. And I think that GWS are close and will be close again next year. They've re-signed Cornelio. They should have a much better year. Well, hopefully they'll have a much better year with injuries next year than they had this year, which was abysmal. had a terrible, terrible year. And you don't hear a lot about it because it's, it's part of that. Threes. No. It's part it's of that East Coast bubble. Well. Yeah, yeah. They've got to get that sort They've of They've had some shockers. Really shockers. bad yeah. ones. Um, and so I think that, yeah, it couldn't. They, it wouldn't be the worst thing they could do. Ross Lyon could be a good fit for that club, I reckon. Um, 
who knows what the what the ambassador or any other Western Sydney supporters think. But I don't know. Is Liam is Leon Cameron doing a good job or is he not going to doing a good job? The injuries are one thing, but also there are some, just some games just like oh they they're not even in this. They're not like they just don't seem invested in this game at all. What's going on? Like that game against Hawthorne in Canberra, for instance. Too cold. Didn't care. That was weird. Mm. Yeah, very strange. Hawks were having fun. It's an interesting one, isn't it? I don't know. You see, what, another year contracted? If I had to have a guess, he'd have another year, Leon Cameron, next year. Why not? Not 100%, but um, it's an interesting one. Who knows? There's a lot of movement going on with this carousel. Yeah, man. The merry-go-round is it's an interesting one, isn't there? I reckon there are a couple more to fall. Yeah. Probably, what, um, yeah. Don Pike, Ken Hinckley's got to be under Maybe a lot Hinkley. of pressure. Um, yep. I reckon Leon Cameron's under pressure. Warsfeld has got to be under under the pump. I reckon they'll give him one more year, mm. but next year you wait for the knives to come out when that traditionally slow oh, yeah. start Essendon slow um, oh, have a slow start. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, that, and they will. And yeah, geez, they they got angry this year. They've done a pretty good job, really, to be to be um make make the eight. They're in eighth spot. They got there. They got their final. They did playing a. Kind of an average season, in a sense. They made mm. finals, but they they really got they really had to work their way there. They um, lost some important been, games. Yeah, yeah, they did, and then they won some clutch games: North Melbourne, Gold Coast, G, GWS. They were all won in the final minute, yeah. final thirty seconds, maybe all three. Um, but so Amelie, oh yeah, you go. I was going to say two, gonna out, two, two out of the three go. of those. They should have really, they should have really beaten them, you know, and. So that's that 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 is a good thing. They they won those kind of clutch moments, but really they if they're going to be a final side, they've got to be putting those teams away uh, on a more consistent basis. That to the fact that they were in it till right at the end for both North Melbourne and um and Gold Coast is is pretty uh, damning with those bombers. It means that I think that they're giving opportunities to teams that aren't as skilled um to be back in the game, and that just will not hold up in finals. Not at all. Not against the Eagles. You want to shut them down straight away. Yeah. Hopefully they learn from that. And I reckon they will. They've only, they've only got one shot and it's a hard one. So hopefully they come out guns blazing and, and go hard from the get-go. Um, that'd be very interesting. Imagine yes. that the Dons upset the reigning premiers. Boy, oh boy. Oh, I'd, I'd, um, lo- I'd I mean, love it if the Eagles went out. Anyway, as we've as we talked about in our ladder of uh, who would yeah. want to win it. <laughs> yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a big fan. And of I'm obviously very... I'm obviously very conflicted, and they're, they're the anomaly in my uh, my premiership yeah. uh, preferential premiership eight, yeah. um, as we did last week and last right. week's episode. The pivot, um, Emil. Yes, the pivot I would like to take is on uh, something you mentioned just there, saying just quickly it slipped by, saying that Canelio had resigned, and now if we delve into the world of trade talking, how does that one feel for you, being a Blues fan, where by all accounts from inside the the walls at um princess park and and outside the walls and even outside the firewall of uh big footy and <laughs> pretty much everywhere people were saying that um Cornelio was probably going to go to the blues oh and look then, it's a I, from it seems like a classic longmire stitch up to me um pushing the price up by talking up the outside option uh, of the departure and the big bucks he was going to command down at a big Victorian mm-hmm. club who were desperate for him. Um, I think that a it... Freud, a Freudian slip saying yeah, he contracted to the, to the North. I mean, I mean contracted oh, to the Blues. I that's mean, right. I mean, uh, 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 the Giants. The Giants. Uh, catching up with Sauce, you know. Yeah. Uh, it's just, yep. it's just, it's just that. I reckon it's. Um, so is this just is this just their management playing it out? Like this is this is the this is the 
the textbook on how you draw out contract negotiations and get the most amount of money? Is that uh, still- Yep, it is. And I think if, if GWS weren't going to be coming to the party, then I reckon the thing is about this play is that it doesn't work if you're not actually prepared to go. So there is that. It's a genuine live chance that he goes, but only if GWS don't match or come close to matching the financials from another club. Because if the disparity is... 300 400,000 a year over five, six, seven years, that is significant. Whereas if they come to yeah. the party in some form, then like, why would you want? I wouldn't want to leave the Giants either. Like, live in beautiful Sydney where it's warm, have a lovely house, go down to Bondi every yeah. other day, play with a club where you've got all your mates and you even played your whole footy, you'll be captain there next year, the year after. Yeah. You'll be one challenging for yeah, one finals. player club. Yeah, why wouldn't you? Exactly. You, exactly. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense. And I am I am pretty happy for them, to be honest. Um, obviously, the only club that I'd really like to see him leave and go anywhere to would be the Saints, and that was never going to happen. And, and then it's the Blues followed by the Saints. There's no way that I would have wanted him to go to Hawthorne, but I'm pretty oh, happy for the Giants because it must be very frustrating getting your club picked to death every year and... Um, and I'd like to see them have some success. Agreed. If if we weren't going to get him, then uh, the Giants are not another bad is not is not a bad option. I reckon I quite like them as a club and 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 you know, uh, good bloody luck to them. Yeah. What other trades? Are, what other good trades are alive still? I mean, the, the Jack Martin one's ongoing. Um, looks like he's going to leave the Gold Coast where yep, he's coming you're in, in the mix for that. The Blues are as are you're linked to a lot Bulldogs. Yeah, Come, yeah. Uh, the, the Bulldogs the aren't they? Because um, then there's Papley, Papley there for you still. guys. Yep. Apparently Brad Hill's basically putting on a St Kilda jersey, uh, jersey right now. Yeah, Sam Gray. Tom Langdon looks like he's going to Melbourne. Um, yep. Hmm, apparently. It's interesting. Yeah. Apparently, mm. apparently, this is just a rumor, but apparently the Swans are asking for two first rounders for Papley, which is, you know. Um, Absolute mental. joke. Um, but that's, you know, that's the gambit. That's the ploy you make, isn't it? Mm, that's right. You might get a, 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 a later first round pick. For him, yeah, yeah, that's right. He's and a great we, player, though. If we can he's turn out, absolute... oh, he's a, he's a very good player. He's he's good for thirty odd goals goals a year. And if we can, if we he's can, he's a turn, leading goal scorer. Yeah, if we can turn our uh, pick eight in the the draft with Adelaide tied to Adelaide or pick nine, whatever it is, um, if we can turn that into two late first rounders, then that that gives us some options. And by mm. by all accounts, we're not going to the draft for the next two three years, so they're probably willing to trade the early pick. Uh, the first pick for next year too, and why wouldn't you? It's gonna it's gonna be interesting that one that uh, split your early pick for two later ones because this year seems to be the year where everyone kind of wants to do that all of a sudden. Mm. In the past, it, they've been um, um, uh, wary with doing that with these high draft picks and taking some real talent, but this year seems like I know the Melbourne are pre- prepared to put um, pick two or three if there's the compo pick for Gold Coast. They're willing to put that on the line. St Kilda's also said it. Adelaide have also said it. And then the Blues have. So there's there's picks three or oh, two, three, five, and eight all wanting to split those into two later picks. So it would, it's another complexity there to finding the the right people to trade with and who, who have those two picks and what can... So hmm, perhaps those, be late, act- those late first round picks are going to be worth more than the early ones, but... They're the real commodity here. People are after those late firsts. Oh. Screw the top five. Yeah, <laughs> Jack Watts was a top first uh, round pick. Who cares? Yeah. 
Yeah, hedge well, hedge right. your bets. Each way bet, maybe. You get two for the price of one. That's why we did the trade with Stocker in Adelaide. We got two first rounders for the price of one. Um, and who knows? Mate, it's, a good, it's a good bet. And you're and, leading so far. I, yep, according to the draft value index. Um, and with the this draft, it seems to me, now I'm not as, I'm not as ardent a follower of that as you are, Bart, but it seems like it's a bit of an even spread and there's the top kind of two role and whatever his name is Raul and the other dude um those two seem to be ahead yeah yeah they seem to be ahead head and shoulders above the rest and the rest seem a bit there seems to be quite an even spread um for the next handful of players so perhaps there's not quite the same excitement about this year's draft um this year's draft crop as there was about last year's yeah, that's not that's the read I get as well. And obviously, you can only get so much from the media um, when you're not physically going out to all of these games, which I'm definitely not doing. I'm just reading what's out there. But that's the that seems to be the word, man. There's those top two, Matt Rao and Noah Anderson, and they're best buddies, and they're kind of clearly the top two, which is great for them. That and also great for the competition that they're both going to probably go to Gold Coast and rot there for four years till they come back to another club and not be as good as they could have been. Gee, I love wasted um, talent. I love it. Oh. So great. Yeah, Everyone it does. Makes me feel yeah, better about my right. own wasted it's... talent. <laughs> yeah, me too. That's why I love the Gold Coast. Just a stadium of wasted talent. Um, <laughs> it's a graveyard yeah, of broken dreams. Um, sorry, sorry, going on. <laughs> it seems to be the case though. And then there's, a, and there's a, a big even spread. And it's definitely, there's been no whisperings of super draft as there were, as there was last year. Um, so who really knows? And, and, and then apparently, as we've noted from these clubs, they're willing to trade a lot of these top end picks. So last For year, people wanted to trade up. End of first rounders. Yeah. Yeah. Now people want to trade down. So I don't know, man. It's interesting. It's already starting to fire up though, isn't it? As soon as all of the, the home and away season's done, boom, delistings, boom, smoke and fire. All this talk starts really kicking into gear. Mm-hmm. I do love trade time. It is fun, isn't it? Yeah. Get amongst that trade radio and listen to like hours and hours of ads. Garbage. <laughs> just hours of garbage. Trash. The same, the same um, points talked oh. uh, The same points talked about oh. just three, four, five, six slightly different ways. By Talk about flogging people. a dead horse. I can only listen and, to and, plow for so long. My God. Oh, man. And then also when they just like, you get some like, and we got Ben from Moona. What do you reckon, Ben? He's like, oh, I reckon Jack Martin, Future Second, Stoke, like just dribble of, um, suggestions and they're just like so in favor of their own club like every time it's like right. why are we why am i listening to this why am i doing why this? don't we package our future future sixth round seventh round and picks from next year the year after that and the year after that and we'll trade them up and then we get hill from freya because yeah. if you add the draft yeah, index then it comes out as about a mid first round and that's about the same thing i'll tell you that right oh no. thank you ben from moonda yeah get the fuck out <laughs> That's uh, pretty funny, but no, I do enjoy. I do like the talk as well. It's a fun time of year. Um, Rife with possibilities. There's a lot of possibilities in the trade talk. Anything can happen. Anything's yeah. possible. Yeah. And as as per the uh, Canelio situation here and the Shield situation last year, you don't really know where anyone's going to go until it happens. So, I'd like to think that we're not out of the Canelio race right now, the Saints. It's, mate. Till I see Canelio playing round one next year at the Giants, I'm not convinced. It ain't over till Gil McLaughlin sings. <laughs> what a sweet voice he has. Yeah. All right. Well, a bit of history, Bart. How would you feel about a bit of history? I'm very keen for a bit of history. It's We've been, 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 been some absolutely. weeks. Yeah. But All right. Here we go. <clears throat> Let's hit it. 
The Australian Rules Football Schism from 1938 to 1949 was a period of division in the rules and governance of Australian rules football, primarily in the sports traditional heartland of Melbourne and to lesser extents in northwest Tasmania and parts of regional Victoria. The schism existed primarily between Melbourne's preeminent league, the Victorian Football League, and its secondary league, the Victorian Football Association. VFA. In the context of VFA history, this period is often referred to as the throw pass era. Oh, we're talking throw pass. You heard it here. Man. So it's like World War II era. Shit's going crazy. We've ditched the handball. We're getting throw passes. Have you have um, you heard of the have you heard anything about the throw pass era before? Never heard of right, it. Right. This is all news this to is me. News to you? Cool. This was news to me too, and I found yeah. it pretty fucking cool. It's fascinating. All right. <laughs> the schism. I will say here yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. Let Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. Bring back the throw pass. <laughs> it's only well, man. It's only a matter yeah. of time. You know. All right. Um, the schism began in '38 when the VFA introduced several rule changes, including legalizing throwing of the football in general play. The changes. That's sacrilegious. It is. The changes helped to speed the game up and promoted more run-and-carry play in an era which had previously been dominated by a long-kicking style. Additionally, the VFA ended its player transfer agreement with the VFL and aggressively recruited star players from the VFL. These changes gave the VFA, for the first time in many years, an on-field product which could compete with the VFL for public interest, and it made the 1940s one of the most successful periods of the VFA uh, in its history. By the mid-40s, the VFA had copyrighted its rules and was considered to be playing its own distinct code its own distinct code of Australian rules, football. Right, so the VFA, they had the throw pass and the VFL were traditionally against that. Yeah, well, it was, strict, it was uh, explicitly and strictly uh, prohibited as per the original rules, the Melbourne rules of the game, codified by our mate in, uh, in, in that pub at, in that fateful day in the 18-whatevers. Um, I think his name's Tom something, maybe? Tom Wills. Tom, Tom Wills in 1858, Tom, Tom Wills. something like that. 1858, 57, yeah. A hun- nearly 100 years before this throw-pass nonsense. That's right, that's right. Um, it, was, it also feels very... Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. Sorry, the last thing, it also feels very much like um, when you're playing pool from like state to state. We're oh, like, no, no, no. You can put your cue in here, pull right. it off, off the cushion there. You got this. No, two shots behind the line. Oh, you put it the throw six. Pass, that means you got a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Throw pass. Um, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Background. Um, the Australian, Australian rules football had been played in Victoria since 1858 and was initially administered in an ad hoc manner by the active clubs who agreed upon rules and administrative matters throughout informal meetings of club secretaries. In 1877, the Victorian Football Association was established to provide formal and binding administration of the game in Victoria. By 1888, the VFA had brought a formal structure to its on-field competition. So the VFA predates the VFL, just so you know. Um, that's the important point. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Um, it is, yeah. Mm, okay. um, I'll go into this. There's, there's plenty more stories around this era, but this is just a bit of the background um, for this specific throw-pass era. Um so the VFA, da, 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 they brought the formal structure of the competition, including a system which the premiership had been decided because up until this point, the premier of the competition, the VFA, right through to 1890s, I'm pretty sure. Um, I'll check this in another time. But right through to this point, the premier, the, the best team in the competition was just decided by general consensus. You're kidding me. No. How would you reach a general consensus? Just a general be... consensus. 
I think the Saints are the best team. They finished second last. I think. That no, no, we all think it. <laughs> <laughs> so I, th- I think the way it act- also yeah. fuck the Blues. Oh, but Go they Saints. finished first, man. <laughs> they finished first. Um, the way it actually worked out was that uh, it was supposedly a, a consensus between the, the 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 supporters and the media. The way it eventually kind of shook itself out was that just the team who'd won the most games, so basically the same as like minor mm-hmm. minor premiers. Makes sense. Could you imagine if now in an age where there wasn't it wasn't on a win loss thing, it was just on the media and fans' oh, man. General, consensus. general consensus? It would it would be like the Tigers winning every year, right? Because whoever has the most fans. It, yeah, inevitably win every year. Oh well, like you mean like with the uh, the the mark of the season, which gets is a fan poll. Oh yeah, poor old Jeremy Howe mm. gets uh, pipped by Joe Danaher, jumping Joe mm. fan favorite Joe Danaher, well. Sydney's own Joe Danaher. Sydney's own. <laughs> um, in October 1896, eight of the VFA's thirteen clubs seceded and established the Victorian Football League. Split, they broke away. Oh, okay. So they came from the VFA and they split like that. Yeah. The eight original clubs are shit. What are they? I had this down. Um, They are Carlton, Collingwood. No, no, no. Yeah. Well, fuck. I don't know. Collingwood were established in 1892. So I think that this was them. They split. Um, Carlton, Collingwood, Essendon, Fitzroy, Footscray, Geelong, Hawth. I don't know how many Hawthorne. That's, that's, and Melbourne. And then in 1908, Richmond came across. Um, and in 1925, Footscray, Hawthorne, and North Melbourne came across. So I, I must have missed a few, like South Melbourne and St Kilda. They were, yeah, the part of the initial move to the VFL. Right. But left in the VFA were teams like Brighton, Brunswick, Campbell, Coburg, uh, Williamstown, Yarraville, traditional clubs, Port Melbourne, old clubs. These are old clubs, but they weren't. Um, they got left behind because they had small small takings at the gate. Money talks. Money walks. <laughs> The strongest VFA clubs regularly sought admission to the much stronger and more lucrative VFL. And floor, and as I said, four clubs eventually gained admission in the following decades. Richmond in 08 and then Footscray Hawthorne in North Melbourne in 25. Um, on each occasion, there was uh, – on each occasion that – they lost the VFA lost clubs. It had just, it just, it just meant their little resurgence they were having just tapered off. They lost a bit of momentum every time that they lost a Richmond or a Footscray Hawthorne or North. They'd been going right, and then oh, the VFL poached some more clubs from them. Um, as a matter of comparison of the two strengths of the competition, the average home and away clubs in the thirty-seven season was around fourteen thousand three hundred in the VFL and two thousand four hundred in the VFA. So that gives you a little indication. Yeah, okay. So they had a fair dominance with the crowd participation then, the VFL. Yeah. So like, was, yeah, right. It was also more often uh, the stronger inner city clubs that went to the VFL, whereas the outer suburban clubs who maybe struggled to get people traveling to come to their games, um, they, they stayed in the VFA. Um, it was also – and also the they played at the same time on a Saturday afternoon at 2 o'clock. Um, so the two were in direct competition with one another and for, for, for the spectators. Um, and it was widely That's not smart on the VFAs. No. Yeah, the VFAs, not the best move when you're not going head to head. Clubs. Yeah, nah. Um, and it was widely acknowledged that. Yeah, right. Uh, that went right through until the 70s, man, I reckon. I only heard that recently mm. that every game just started at the same time. Bonkers. Um, absolutely bonkers. But I guess when players were amateur, you know. Yeah, who cares, right? And you're not televising it. Well, and they've got jobs to do. To. They're butchers and bakers and candlesticks. Well, that's right. 
I've been, he's been cutting meat all morning. Right. I've got to make footy for two. Yep. Um, okay, okay. The responsibility for administration of the game at the national level fell at this time to the Australian National Football Council, or ANFC. Formed in 1906, the ANFC com- prized one delegate from each state, only one, and later added one from Canberra and one representing amateur football nationwide. The ANFC was the custodian of the official laws of the game, which all of its affiliated competitions were required to use. The council's purpose was to provide a united control structure for the sport and to help to promote the interests of the sport and game as a whole. As part of this, it took levies from the southern states and distributed grants to the northern states to help them develop the game in rugby territory. That sounds familiar. Oh, very familiar. And you're saying this is this in the 20s? Did you say this? Uh, thir- uh, 1906 it formed, the ANFC. Oh, n- 1996. No, no, no. 1906. Oh, my word. So they've been the Gil McLaughlin of the time. They've been trying to push up into these rugby states for a good hundred and something years. Ex- expansion is definitely not new. Not new. Um, all not right. at all. Yeah. Um, okay, so Victoria was represented on the ANFC by the VFL. The VFA was not part of the ANFC, but it had a formal relationship with the VFL governed by an agreement signed between the two of them in 1931. And the terms of that agreement indirectly brought the VFA under the ANFC's influence. In the mid-1930s, uh, sorry, the mid-1930s had been a period of declining popularity of football in Victoria. Both the VFA and VFL were enduring financial problems to the point where some of the weaker VFL teams were being kept afloat only by the dividends they received from finals gate takings. The VFA decided that it would make a series of rule changes to make the game more spectacular to try and reverse the trend. Sounds familiar. The first set of recommendations. We call it the 6-6 throw pass. Right. The first set of recommendations was made by its appointed rules committee in early October 37, and the final decision on which rules to include was made at a meeting of club delegates in February 1938. The rule changes... Can you imagine... Can you, sorry, can you imagine the exact same? There'd be greats of the game at that meeting, you know. So in the thirties, greats who were playing twenty odd years earlier in the in the in the uh, the golden era of football, they probably would have said the nine, you know, early nineteen hundreds, and it would be the exact same chat about how the game, the state of the game, the state of the game, man, we're and so it's predictable, the same, aren't we? Same thing. We are very predictable. Humans are disgustingly predictable. When I was young, things were brilliant. Now they're shit. I used to have a great time. Now I'm not sure. My uh, my bones ache, and it's your fault because you changed the rules. Um, okay. More avocado with my house, please. <laughs> um, okay, the following rule changes were made. Throwing the ball. The VFA legalized throwing as a means of disposal in general play, provided that the throw was with two hands, and both hands were kept below shoulder height. The primary intention of the rule was to provide a faster and less skillful means of disposing the football than kicking or hand passing to make it easier for players to clear the ball from scrimmages, which tended to slow down the game during the 30s. Sounds familiar. Mm. Bring it it back, baby. Um, Bring it back, throw pass. mm -hmm. A secondary benefit of the rule was that flick passing, which was a hand passing style in which the ball is propelled with an open hand instead of a closed fist, had increased in usage during the 30s, but it blurred the line between hand passing and throwing so that it was difficult for the umpires to police consistently. Sounds familiar. Well, that's uh, <laughs> very familiar. 
By legalizing throwing the ball, this source of inconsistency was removed. It was a bold change since throwing the ball had been illegal throughout the history of Aussie rules football, dating all the way back to the Melbourne rules of 1859. Although the idea itself was not new and had been proposed in various forums, in including the ANFC, without being accepted since as early as 1911. Okay. The other, another rule that was, uh, was was the other another rule that was uh, suggested to be changed was holding the ball when amendments were suggested to the existing holding the ball rule under 1930s ANFC rules a player would be penalized for holding the ball if he was tackled while in possession unless he immediately kicked hand passed or dropped the ball oh okay in practice players would usually just drop the ball upon being tackled, which meant that a scrimmage could easily form around the ball and the tackled player. And it also meant that the player could drop the ball, trying to earn a holding the man free kick if the tackler did not let them go immediately. Then quickly pick the ball up again if the tackler did let them go. This, again, made it very difficult to police for the umpires consistently and was a major course of the scrimmages which had both slowed down the game and had contributed to the rise in rough play throughout the 1930s. We're just it's just history repeating, Emil. It's just constantly repeating itself. And after our chat about umpires and how impossible it is to adjudicate and rule changes at the front of this, at the top of this podcast. Yep. Um, now the uh, the VFA amend, amend uh, the VFA rule change, um, the amend, amendment meant that you eliminated the provision for the player to drop the ball. So you'd now have to kick, hand pass, or throw the ball. But it would be penalised if you dropped it, meaning that the ball would be cleared away from the spot of the tackle, making it more difficult for a scrimmage to form. Um, yeah. So there you go. Um, that's amazing. That's that. Another one was a boundary throw-in. Uh, the boundary throw-in was reintroduced to the game. So at this point in time, oh, VFL, it didn't, here we didn't, go. It didn't exist. So you, so you can... And so you can throw it just straight at Max Gorn's face now? Straight in his face. It says in Max Gorn's face. Um, under the new rule... <laughs> Maximilian Gorn. Maximus Gorn, um, Junior. Under the new rules, the boundary umpire would throw the ball back into play to a neutral ruck contest after the ball went out of bounds, unless the field umpire deemed that the ball had been forced out deliberately or if the ball went out of bounds from a kick-in after a behind without another player touching it, in which case... No, so that stayed. Be they've been... They've been there for a long time then. Some of these yeah. rules, uh, OG rules. Yeah. So reintroducing the boundary throw-in was a return to a set of rules which had prevailed prior to 1925. Since 1925, the ANFC rules, so the rules around the country, had dictated that a free kick be awarded against the last team to play the ball before it went out of bounds under any circumstances. So Oh, bring it back. They're talking is, about that as well. This is what they play in the um, AFLW and VFLW. This is the, of course. Yeah. Oh yeah, last touch. The last and touch rule. They trialed it in at the in the SANFL uh, in years past as well. I'm not sure if they do it still, but anyway. Um, mm, now the VFL had about it a lot, haven't they? They have. Um, the VFL voted for that change as well. This is that that you know um, out of bounds being a turnover rather than a throw into a neutral contest. Um, but it had quickly become very unpopular amongst players and spectators, and Victoria had since unsuccessfully agitated for it to be repealed. Um. Since the ANFC rules never gained wide popularity in Victoria, many were glad to see a return to the old rules. The change meant that the wings and flanks uh, were open to more general play, um, whereas under the ANFC rules, play in general had been much more direct down the centre of the field to avoid the risk of turning over possession by putting the ball out of bounds. But 
the return of the boundary throw-in lowered the risk of players playing down the boundary lines. Um, yeah, lowered the risk. So it meant that uh, there was better, it was better for spectators because it'd be on the wings. Um, you get different yeah, corridors closer. of play. Um, it also meant yep. that it was easier for the umpire so that you no need, longer needed to determine which player was the last to touch the ball, um, which was often difficult if the ball was being contested. Um, the other rules that were changed yeah. were free kicks being paid for fouls committed after a disposal, which is effectively a downfield free kick. This is the first time that was been that had been introduced, I believe. Right. Um, transfer of free kicks to inj- from injured players. So if you got injured in a contest and uh, you got a free kick, if, if you weren't well enough to take it previously, that would just be too bad. Um, whereas now, <laughs> wow. now, now another You've player been would take it. <laughs> You've been knocked the fuck out. You think you're playing under Luke Beveridge still and you're stumbling around and... Oh, sorry, mate. You think you're at the bank <laughs> on a Friday? I'd like well, to make if, a deposit. If you're Wilkie, that's, uh, that's a real possibility. Well, that's right. If Say, so if Callum Wilkie got knocked out, I know that um, Jordan Roughhead, when he got knocked out a few weeks ago, the uh, Collingwood player, he thought he was playing for Luke Beveridge a year earlier. He did. So for Callum Wilkie, if he was to get knocked out a year earlier for him, he was at, you know, Ernst and Young or wherever he is, <laughs> sure. would he just flick back and be like, damn, I've got to get those papers in quick. I'm doing now this project. 12% the project, deduction but- and then pay, pay the dividends. Um, <laughs> make sure that we uh, get that into the, uh, to the uh, yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You can make a claim there, yeah. Uh, have you got your receipt? Is it deductible? I'm not Gallon, sure. Can um, you take the free kick, mate? Oh, free uh, kick, mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mr. Um, Wilkie. Now, another rule introduction was the 15-yard penalty. The 15-yard penalty for offences by the man on the mark. Specifically, when a player was awarded a mark or a free kick and the opponent, this is an official word, cribbed over uh, the mark or wasted time oh. by refusing to return the ball directly to him. Your pet hate, Bart. Quit cribbing. Stop cribbing Stop me. Stop cribbing me, boy. Come on, umpire. He's cribbing. <laughs> 15. 15. 15. <laughs> you get, would everyone yell out 15 instead of 50? Yeah, they could. 15. They could. Well, I think that the change to a 50-meter penalty only occurred again in like the 60s or 70s. Before that, it was a 15-meter penalty. That's funny. Isn't it? 15 meters. It's not much of a penalty. Yeah. Um, oh, come on, give him 15. Cribbing over the mark, sometimes by as far as five to ten yards, was a much disliked but commonplace feature of the game by 38, but which there was no on-field penalty available to the umpires to manage it. Time-wasting was a reportable offence, but reports were seldom enforced. So the VFA introduced the rule to give the Classic. umpires the means to a, to a more direct control over what had become an unattractive feature of the game. There were also some Quit other ribbon. rules that they um, they tried to introduce but were rejected. I'll just go over those briefly. Um, there was uh, mm-hmm. they, were, they wanted to reduce the number of players from eighteen to sixteen to open up more space. Again, right. which they've done in the AFLW. Another one. Mm-hmm. AFLW does. Yep. They wanted to replace the centre bounce with a kickoff from twenty yards behind the centre line by the team which had just been scored upon, and because of that, they wanted to uh, the the two players who they were going to cut. Were off, they thought there was definitely going to be the ruck because they're like, wow, there's no throw and there's no point in having a ruck. So we'll just get rid of that. No. They always want to get rid of our damn rucks merely. I know. I know. The big men. It's because they take time. They're frustrated. They take time. They take time. Yeah. Um, okay. So that was that. Right. Um, effect on the game. That's crazy. This oh, yeah. is uh, what future Hall of, Famous, Hall of Fame sports writer Hector DeLacy said in the Sporting Globe. Oh, go on to Lacey. What do you got for us? Give the association throw pass to a team of 18 experts and the crowd will never stop roaring from bell to bell. The game would be played with the speed of an ice hockey match and the precision of a chess match. Oh, oh wow. Hector, Hector. Lacey. A lot of sauce. 
Um, here is uh, an opposing view from WAANFL and future ANFC President Walter Stook at the 1938 ANFC conference, as reported in the Argus. Any mug can throw a ball. Bunton is a champion and he is in, he is never in difficulties in disposing of the ball. And the standard of efficiency of players must be increased rather than the code be altered to meet a lower standard of play. Couldn't agree more. And I love the usage of the word mug. <laughs> Any old mug can throw a ball. That's good. Um, observers of the new rules quickly lauded them for having their intended effect of speeding up the game, reducing congestion and making the rules easier to police consistently. The Australasian sports writer Reginald, Reginald Wilmot, writing under his pseudonym Old Boy, noted that the rules oh, helped yeah, to I reward like the ball kicker, I know, ball winner. I like that pseudonym, Old Boy. Um, old Boy's good. He's good. Compared with the old holding the ball rules, which favoured the tackler. Many pundits had been worried that throw passing would lead to a reduction in long kicking and high marking, but noted that in practice, throw passes were seldom over a distance greater than 10 yards, and long kicking remained prominent. Um, VFL champion and player... Uh, VFL champion player and coach Dan Minogue lauded the boundary throw-in rule as encouraging more contested football near the boundary line rather than seeing players content to watch the ball roll out of bounds knowing they would receive a free kick. Hmm. There you go. Yeah, that's that's a fair play. Yep. It's far more exciting when it's tucked in against the line there and you got to work with that. That's far more enjoyable. Several players... Li- and it's, it's also good not to have um, players like shepherding the ball out because they know they're going to get the free kick. That's boring. Um, yeah, that's boring. Several players liked that the reduced number of scrimmages would also reduce the risk of injury and, reduced, and a reduction in rough play and thuggery was also noted. Um, not all were convinced about the merits of the rule, particularly the throw pass, after seeing them in action. Many were still concerned that over time the ease of throwing the ball would reduce long kicking and high marking. We know that. Um, oh. <laughs> Champion North Adelaide full forward Ken Farmer feared that in the extreme case it could result in a game being played by 17 basketballs and a full forward. Oh, and they want, might as well wear Nancy dresses as well. <laughs> What's next, sponsorship? <laughs> Yeah. Professional <laughs> players? My God! Uh, equality? Uh, uh, funny, man. funny. It's taken a few years, but Ken Farmer's vision is uh, is becoming true. We're seeing more and more players with basketball backgrounds, aren't we? That's right. Um, and you know what they've got, Ken? More space. More space. More time. More time. Poise. Um, what else we got? Oh, yeah. South Australian sports writer Steve McGee. Fear that allowing the throw pass would uh, would rob the game of its individuality, which could affect its ability to compete with and distinguish itself from rival sports in the long term, particularly rugby, and that the game would become dominated by smaller, faster players, making it impossible for larger or slower players to have a successful top-level career. God, what do they want, Emil? What do people want? Yeah. Like, is it? Im- it's impossible to get. Like, what? What do they think the game is? What's the original form of the game? There is no. You know, original, well, I guess there is the first, there's the, the man group footy and then there's the Tom Wills original football. But it's funny. It feels like people are constantly trying to tinker to make it this ideal thing yeah. that just doesn't exist. Every few years you see rule exist. changes and that's just part of it. We always try and make it, it a just, slightly better it? game and tactics evolve. And, that's right. Yeah. Right. Which is great, really. Yeah. Like, I, 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 that's what it is. But it's the fact that people seem to forget that there is no pure form of the game. That's, that's what's frustrating when people talk about how good it was. But it's all just that heyday shit. It's uh, all just roast in glasses. Pe- people, yeah, exactly. People have a bias towards the rules as they were when they learnt them. Yeah, when they were growing up, this was the rule. And so now it doesn't make sense. Yep. 
and it's frustrating and whatever. Um, and I hope we're not, you know, in our late twenties, nearing our thirties. I hope we are not uh, also growing into that mold of a boring person who complains about when it was better when they were young. That's right. I don't think it is. I think it's better now. That's I think it's the best it's ever been. Yep. Because um, I'm around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, quickly as well, I better wrap in about five. No, I, I, I've really, I've really got to go because I've got a massage in about uh, fourteen minutes. So uh, that that might oh. that might bring us to the end of our episode. We need to. We need we've to got go. Massages and movies to that's watch. That's true. <laughs> well, this uh, that's that. There might be some more. I'll read more into that if there's anything interesting to to finish off that tale. Then maybe I'll share it next week. But um, have well, a, it was very good. Yeah. And I love that throw pass. <laughs> so funny. Mm. Bring it back. I say. Bring it back. Um, yeah, well, there'll be more on that next week. But in any case, have yourselves a, a lovely week of, of football this time. Um, try and try yes. and get your body back into peak condition, and uh, we'll see you a week one of the finals for a big, big round of games. We've been AFL Queens. Here we go. Love you very much. See you later. Thanks, gang. Bye.